Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. With that, hello and welcome to the Rangeley Capital Podcast. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Rangeley. With me, as always, is my co-host and Rangeley's founder, Chris DeMuth. Uh, today, we're going to talk about two big deals with companies that we've talked about before. First, we're going to talk Stars Lionsgate, and then we're going to talk about uh, an offer to buy out Hershey's from Mondelez. Mondelez, Chris and I were having a big debate on the pronunciation. What did we settle on, Chris? Mondelez. Mondelez. Uh, I will probably get it wrong, and the listeners can complain all they want. But before we start with Stars Lionsgate, let's just uh, 30 seconds talk. The world just feels a lot different today than it does from even our last podcast we taped on Monday. Uh, You know, on Monday, markets were crashing. They were down like 6% in two days in the wake of the Brexit. And over the past three days, markets are up 5%. They've erased all the Brexit losses. And M&A is strong. Go ahead. Some people were for staying in and some people were for leave. I am kind of have a compromised view. I think they should go back in and then re-exit once a <laughs> month or so. Uh, these Brexits are fun. They're lucrative. Uh, we have buying opportunities and then we make money. So I was thinking kind of a monthly exit. Yeah, it's, it's just weird how it felt like such a big event. You know, I think there were some people who were saying this is like a Lehman-like event, which I didn't think it was that bad, but I just thought the uncertainty was awful. And three days later, no one cares. Go ahead. Larry Summers, who I deeply admire, said that this was the one of the no the biggest crisis since World War II. Uh, so I've just, every few minutes, I just email him a picture of the fall of Saigon, the 38th parallel, the AIDS crisis. Uh, I, I don't know how much longer he's going to be enjoying enjoying this, but I, I said that this has actually been the most hyperbolic event in the history of the world times a thousand. But uh, so anyway... It, so turning now to M&A, Stars Lionsgate, this is a deal that's been rumored for a while. It almost happened over the weekend, and apparently a bank pulled out because of the Brexit. And the New York Post had a really funny story that said, deal's off because a bank's out, and 24 hours later, the deal was on. Go ahead. I like the New York Post, uh, and I like that writer. It is a single-source publication, yeah, yeah. and the single source at this point was a banker who was freaking out, and he basically said, I'm out of here, so it's over. Yeah. My fees are gone. We'll revisit this in three months. And he didn't really contact. Uh, the fact that you can do a deal without that particular <laughs> bank. But uh, so some background on this. We mentioned this deal on our February 9th podcast. And what had happened at the time, Lionsgate and uh, Stars have kind of been dancing around each other for years. Uh, the, in February, deal talks heated up and then Lionsgate announced disastrous earnings. Their stock price was way off because Hunger Games, Divergent, a couple of their other movie franchises were performing poorly. Their stock price fell and Stars' stock price fell in kind because everyone thought Lionsgate was going to buy them. And we kind of said, we took a position thinking, hey, a deal's probably going to happen at some point. And even if it doesn't, Stars looks really cheap at these levels. Turned out, fortunately, we were right. The deal happened today. Uh, You know, strategically, I think the deal makes a lot of sense. Uh, Both companies' share prices had gone up on rumors of the deal. And Mm -hmm. both companies' share prices were up this morning as the deal was announced. The Lionsgate kind of gave back those gains this morning. But uh, I'll let you talk if you want about this, the potential synergies here, why the deal makes sense, or anything kind of you want to talk about. Sure. I would just throw out that Mark Ruschewski, one of the people involved in this, is one of the all-time tough negotiators. Mm-hmm. And he was against John Malone, who is and also one, one of the, the all-time the, tough negotiators. I mean, negotiators. these guys, yeah. this is a lot of uh, justifiable immodesty about their negotiating uh, tactics in the same room. And uh, sometimes it serves him extremely well, and he can cut better deals than I would ever get. Sometimes 
it can be a debacle, and he can miss opportunities. If, if you're always looking for the last nickel, sometimes you'll give up a couple yeah. of dollars because you were trying to just ring out that last nickel. I, I'm always looking at, let's split the difference and move on. If it's a deal and it's hugely valuable, let's just you know get... 50-50-ish, and he's just he's tough on these things. Yeah, well, I, I think the deal makes a lot of sense. Personally, I think uh, Star, it, it's a little cheap of a price to play for Stars, yeah. but, you know, it, it, the rumors are that it was well-shopped. Uh, strategically, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, Lionsgate is Canada domiciled, and Stars was paying a full U.S. tax rate, so one of the big opportunities here is going to be to use the lower Canada tax rate for the combined companies. They mentioned that on the call, but wouldn't guide to full things. And then the other thing is going to be, there are going to be a ton of synergies here. Uh, you know, Lionsgate makes movies and TV shows. Stars distributes movies and TV shows. There are obvious kind of synergies from combining the two. Obviously, you can do kind of uh, legal contracts to do that, but it's a little more seamless if it's under the same house. Uh, also, they both spend a ton of money producing content. So combining those two budgets will help you in the world of HBO, Amazon, Netflix, and bidding for blockbusters because we really are in a blockbuster-dominated world. If you have Game of Thrones, almost nothing else matters. You'll have 30 million subscribers. Uh, it'll be interesting use of Lionsgate Bat, Bat Catalog. They have movies like Pulp Fiction, Terminator, Rambo. Uh, but let's move on to Opportunity. Or did you want to talk there? Oh, I was just going to throw out that I, I followed Lionsgate for a long time. That early on, talking about making cheap content, if you don't really know what movie is going to succeed, something like early on, like the Blair Ritz Project, another mm-hmm. thing, get B actors and a little bit of horror. And if it takes off, your upside to downside is amazing. They once, executives were joking, let's get some B actors and throw some chum in the water and have just kind of sharks come swirl around and they did it and they can make a lot of money you know uh, I think it's Blair Studios the people who make Paranormal Activity and all that that's what they do where they make $100,000 horror films they cost $100,000 and if one of them hits and is $40 million it pays for you know all of them Uh, and there are interesting things around that but really I think super A premium content is the most valuable thing in today's world. Yeah. And I think this kind of helps get them there. But let's talk opportunity. Sure. Uh, a lot of people think this is the first step in Lionsgate rolling up a lot of media companies. Uh, last year, John Malone, who owns Stars, as we said, he even said Lionsgate could be the consolidator. Mm-hmm. They could consolidate Stars and then look to other free radicals. Uh, so why don't we talk about other free radicals? Who do you think's in play in the wake of this deal? You know, there's really no reason for one of these smaller content companies to be a standalone separate company. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can just take out costs. I love taking out costs. Um, so, you know, there's there's a lot of the other ones out there. AMC being one of the obvious ones. Discovery being another. Yeah, so AMC, you know, their big hits have been Mad Men and Walking Dead. Lionsgate, I know they make Mad Men. I don't think they make Walking Dead, but they make Mad Men. Uh, AMC's a target. Discovery's a target. MGM Studios, the... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the big uh, movie production company is a target. Scripps Network is a target, uh, and everything in the everything in the sector was up on the day today. AMC was up five or six percent. Viacom and CBS were both up two or three percent. Discovery, uh, Scripps, they were all up three, four, five percent on kind of a you know a, a nice day, but they really outperformed the market. So everyone's already obviously thinking the whole media sector is going to consolidate. And one we've talked about that I think could be a whale and Lionsgate or someone else, CBS and Viacom mm-hmm. have to be in play in the wake of this. Do you want to talk about I, that? I think so, absolutely. Um, I mean, I own some Viacom. I think that uh, that deal makes all the sense in the world. And at some point, Sumner Redstone is going to have 
to start thinking about next steps. Yeah. And uh, uh, he, he seems to have some aversion to thinking about this, but uh, combining CBS and Viacom. Yeah, either combining well. CBS or Viacom, or the rumor is CBS looked at stars and one other company looked at stars. Mm-hmm. Maybe stars, Lionsgate, you know, they come in the kind of the fish swallows the whale and they swallow CBS because yeah. there would be huge synergies yeah. there. And they also have the kind of backdoor financing and scale that comes from the John Malone relationship. And they one really, we mentioned it earlier, Lionsgate's got the Canadian domicile. You take over yeah. the CBS American domicile, yeah. 20% synergies just from lowering the tax rate can be super interesting. If you look at what happened to uh, Charter, uh, and when when Charter uh, made the Time Warner Cable deal, that kind of, you know, the off-balance sheet John Malone connection, mm-hmm. providing other financing and so forth could come and play again through Lionsgate. And taxes had been there too because I believe Charter had gone through bankruptcy and had tons of NOL. Yep. So when they acquired Time Warner, they could kind of shield a couple years worth of taxes with that. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so if that's it there, why don't we turn to Hershey's? So sure. this is kind of fresh off the newswire. Uh you know, on on June first, we mentioned uh, we thought we were looking at things Warren Buffett could look to buy as mm-hmm. his career kind of evolves, and we said the candy industries, Mondelez and Hershey's are both perfect targets, and they must have heard our podcast mm-hmm. and decided let's just skip the middleman and combine because today Mondelez it was revealed they offered uh, about twenty five billion dollars or one hundred seven dollars per share for Hershey's. Hershey's board uh, unanimously, unanimously rejected the deal and said that the offer provided no basis for further discussion, which is really strong wording. But uh, why don't you talk about will a deal happen and why is there opportunity in a deal here? Sure. Yeah, no, it's kind of preposterous to say that. I mean, that doesn't sound like angling. That sounds like you can take that at face value that they don't want to do a deal. Will a deal happen? You know, uh, Hershey, boy, they've had uh, bidders in the past several mm-hmm. times. Uh, have never wanted to do a deal. The market kind of reacted strongly to this and ran up, uh, but uh, but they are a very well defended company. Yep, uh, and a company that has uniqueness. If you look at their at every level of corporate defenses in the articles and the bylaws and statute uh, protecting them, and a company that explicitly is not mandated to maximize shareholder value. Yep. So the Hershey's Trust controls about eight percent of the shares, but almost all of the voting power. Yep. And they explicitly in their documents, it says, we don't need to maximize economic value. We have other considerations we Mm -hmm. must take into account. And, uh, you know, in the past, they've used that to turn down deals. In 2002, uh, first Wrigley and then Nestle slash Cadbury came and offered Hershey's to buy them out at a nice premium. And Hershey's ultimately turned it down because the town of Hershey was in political uproar. Uh, In 2007, uh, Cadbury approached Hershey's and offered them something. And again, uh, Hershey's turned them down, and ultimately, the fact they even flirted with Cadbury got Hershey's CEO and a lot of their board fired mm-hmm. by the trust. So, uh, go ahead. Yeah, this is this is a trust designed for the benefit of underprivileged children and overprivileged trustees. Uh, this is a you know they, they they work in a palace. They have a lot of things that look like crumpled tinfoil. That's apparently you know hundreds of millions of dollars of art that I can't appreciate. But boy, you know whenever there's a lot of equity value, uh, it's kind of like the law of, a law of thermodynamics. The value goes somewhere, yeah. and you can try to be kind of high minded about it. You know we're not 
maximizing the value of our owners. But in this case, it just goes to kind of payola for the managers. If you if you control all of the voting interest, but none of the economic interest, you know, it, it kind of costs aren't a concern to yeah. you anymore. So you can you've mentioned it before with uh, mutual banks. You mm-hmm. know, they don't have shareholders to report to, so they can fly first class everywhere. They can take as much vacation as they want, have palatial offices because there's no one checking the bottom line. So in this case, even if the offer is way more than they could realize standalone, you know, if you sell the company, all your friends might hate you because you might be getting them. Fired, you're going to be kind of the black sheep of the community. And I would just say that it's wholly legitimate. You know, I would say that for the vast majority of the times, I would say I'm on the side of maximizing shareholder wealth. However, Mr. Hershey founded this company. Yep. It's what he cared about. And the, one of the few things I care more about than maximizing shareholder value is founder intent. Yeah. And he can do whatever he wanted to. He could have made the whole thing just a charity. This is sort of a strange uh, amalgamation and, of the two, and there's nothing wrong with that. And there was an interesting line in the Hershey's press release that said uh, Hershey's or Mondelez's offer for Hershey's included other non-monetary consideration. So Mondelez is clearly aware of Hershey's dual role and is trying to make concessions that will let them sell out and kind of still fulfill their role. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to think one of the considerations is kind of keeping operations open in the town of Hershey. Absolutely. You know, Mondelez earlier this year, they moved an Oreo factory from the U.S. to Mexico and Donald Trump said he was going to boycott Oreos and there was all a bunch of other stuff. I think uh, they're trying to very much assure the Hershey's trust that they won't do that here. Uh, so let's see. Why don't we talk about what, how, this, how this process could play out, what a potential buyer might look to pay and who could buy Hershey. Boy, it's going to have to be a monster premium. Um, you know, the the priors in terms of the political support for them has been supreme mm-hmm. um so there's really no statutory route towards taking this company over there's nothing in the articles and you know, there, this is not going to be successfully hostile uh so uh you know i always go back and forth on the game theory uh when i see something when i see somebody going up against some of the thing really poorly defended sometimes my thought is yeah they may win or maybe they've just been cavalier when i hear somebody going up against something highly defended my first thought is boy this is going to be really difficult but secondly maybe they're super committed maybe that i mean this is a rational and self-seeking presumably a group of people on the board and the management at, at the potential buyer and so maybe they have something up their sleeve here you know and i think it is interesting hershey stock has been flat for the past three years mm-hmm. they're entirely in the 90 percent of the revenue is north american candy which isn't mm-hmm. exactly a growth industry and the hershey's trust has been trying to diversify away from that uh, I, I don't think the timing is a coincidence, and you have to think uh, Mondelez, Nestle, Kellogg would all be very interested buyers if they were up for sale. And I have to wonder, our old friend Warren Buffett, you know, he could come in, he could buy them at 107 per share, he's got a very low cost of capital, and he can make all the promises that he wants to make. I'll keep it in town. Uh, you know, he loves chocolate, he loves these brands. I, I think this could be an opportunity for him. Go ahead. I, I, I've been thinking, you know, if it's really the case that Germany and the UK deserves a negative uh, uh, rate on their debt, maybe Buffett does. I mean, maybe he could issue some debt at a negative yield, in which case then he could buy anything well you know one thing with buffett is he's got the insurance companies that underwrite at a they underwrite at a profit so that's effectively <laughs> negative flow. Is, so yeah. yeah uh you know if hershey's were to go the full auction route and they were to kind of drop the non-monetary considerations uh this this could be a bonanza this could go for 130 140 150 yeah. per share almost no chance that happens but everyone's going to be looking at 
A, we'll shut down the high cost local production and move it to Mexico. B, tons of synergies in combining distribution and cross marketing. You know, Reese's and Oreos. Uh, Reese's is a Hershey's product, or is it Oreos is a Mondelez product? They already have cross selling. They've got the Reese's Oreo, but you can do a lot more with that. And expand the Hershey's brand internationally is an obvious point of synergies. Uh, low interest rates. It, the premium can get huge if you drop all the considerations. Go ahead. I was just going to add that the, the, the uh, tastes are so national in chocolate. I yeah. have family in the UK, and they are uh, generally quite against Hershey's uh, chocolate compared to theirs. And, and I've heard from friends who live in the UK that the Cadbury that we eat in the US is completely, completely different. different. It's yeah. disgusting to them compared yeah. to the Cadbury and, in and the UK. The same goes for other countries in Europe, I know at least. Uh, the, the tastes are regional, so they'd have to change uh, formulations a bit. Okay, cool. Uh, so I think that's how it's going to play. It'll be interesting. I don't know if a deal happens or not. It could be Buffett, it could be Monolith, could be standalone, but it will be very interesting to see. Uh, anything else you want to mention here, or should we wrap it up? I have nothing to add. Great. So that's all the time we have for today. Before we hit our disclosures, just a quick reminder, if you like this podcast, please be sure to follow and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Audio Boom. If you have any feedback for us, please feel free to email it to us at podcast at rangelycapital.com. Uh, disclosures, Chris, I am Long Stars. I think you are Long Stars, Lionsgate, Hershey's, Viacom, and Berkshire. Anything I missed? Nope. nope. Okay, that's it. Uh, we will have a great fourth, and we will talk to you guys next week.